Jim Ripsua, Naptianga Kania, Jim Ripsua, Reva here, Glen Osmond, Nikia Bongluka, Nikia Jimoy, Naptianga Kania, B. Pinom Pin, Tomadaku Saknyom Rutnao, Sien Rip, and I Knyom Nangumpro Knyom, Gon Isaac, Snapnao Pinom Pin, Awi Baisopada, Sumrap, Prolong Roba Goet. Good morning, Glen Osmond Baptist Church. Uh, it's Luke here from Cambodia talking with you this morning from Phnom Penh. Normally, our family lives in Siem Reap, but myself and Isaac have come to Phnom Penh for three weeks um, for Isaac to take his year, end of year 10 exams. Uh, we'll be back to Siem Reap in two days' time. Send our greetings from our entire family. Um, it's noisy out here. There's construction in the background and roosters crowing, so I'm going to pause this for a moment and we'll um, pick up again once I'm back inside. So yes, we send our greetings and our love to you all. Um, it's been three months now since we've returned to Cambodia after our home assignment in Australia. In some ways, it's been a short time. In other ways, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. It's been a. It's felt a long time. Um, but it's great to be with you this morning, and thank you for the chance to share. And um, May Mission Month, you might be aware, is. Um, well, May is the mission month for the Baptist churches around Australia. And there's often for many churches a focus on mission, uh, whether it be local Australian-based mission or cross-cultural or intercultural mission. Um, May is often the month that churches um, pay specific attention to something that we, to which God calls us to be paying attention all of the time, of course. But it's great to have the chance this month to share with you a little. And I've chosen this morning to share from the Lord's Prayer. And in particular, um, one line of the Lord's Prayer, which comes to us in Matthew chapter 6. And this, um, the Lord's Prayer is within the bigger context of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest kind of continuous um, time of teaching as recorded in the Bible. And he's teaching his disciples um, at this time. There's, there's crowds around, so there's people listening. And in the middle of this prayer, he says, and this, is, this then is how you should pray. He does that, though, on the back of another important little uh, couple of verses, which um, is Jesus. He, what he's doing, he's really contrasting the prayer of the hypocrites. Um, the passage just before with an example in this prayer of how to humbly submit ourselves before God and to pray in a way that reflects the heart of God. Like I said, though, this morning I'm only going to speak from one line of it, or maybe maybe one and a half, perhaps two. But I want to do that by sharing um, from the work of a wonderful scholar, a man by the name of Kenneth Bailey. I'm going to have to do a screen share a few times uh, this morning to show you some images. Um, this is the book from which I want to share this morning. Kenneth Bailey was a... Um, a well-known scholar who lived most almost his entire life in the Middle East. And that's, he lived there and taught there, and that gave him wonderful awareness and insights to the culture of the region and the culture of um, the place in the areas in which Jesus lived and taught and the, the culture of the surrounding, um, you know, the surrounding environment, the surrounding nations. So what he does is writes this book um, and really brings to light the Gospels uh, from cultural perspectives, and it's a wonderful read. It, it's, it's, it is scholarly, but it's not too heavy. So if that's of interest to you, it's a book well worth reading if you can get your hands on it. 
And I want to speak from um, this book this morning, shared, shared from this book and Kenneth Bailey's uh, insights into this passage of Scripture in the Lord's Prayer. Before we do that, it's right to read it, of course, the Lord's Prayer, not the book. Um, so let me do that for us now. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. A Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the line I want to focus on this morning is give us this day our daily bread. You know, bread in Jesus' day was a staple food. It was an everyday food. It was necessary for survival. But more than that, it gave life and sustenance to people. Here in Cambodia, uh, it's rice. There's a, there's a saying in Khmer, which is Nyambai uh, Hawinao, and that's simply, it's actually a greeting, but it's, it's saying, have you eaten yet? But it's not just have you eaten yet, it's have you eaten rice yet? Uh, because there's a, there's a sense for Khmer people that if you haven't eaten rice, that's three times a day, if you haven't eaten rice, you haven't eaten. So it's Nyambai Hawinao, have you eaten rice yet? So bread was a staple in Jesus' day and necessary for survival. But in this Lord's Prayer, it, it's more representative of, of all that a person eats. So the meaning, it sounds simple enough. You know, give us enough to eat for today. Give us today our daily bread. There's a problem with that, though, and that's uh, what Kenneth Bailey in this book points out. I, I very rarely use Greek in a sermon, and I'm not going to give you the words now, but what he says is that the word in the original language of Greek, New Testament, the word that translates daily into our English Bible translation is only ever used once in Scripture. So there's a word here that has no other use in Scripture to compare it to, which makes understanding its meaning quite complicated. How do we figure out what a word means when it's only ever used once? You know, it turns out to be quite a nuanced conversation. I'm not going to bore you with all of that today. Check it out in the book if you want. But let me give you the short answer of what he says, of what he says Jesus is saying when he encourages us to pray for daily bread. Here's what... Jesus encourages us to pray. I'm going to tell you. Actually, I'm not going to tell you. Not yet. I'm going to try and answer this instead with some context from here in Cambodia and from the perspective of what we've seen happen here and our team has seen happen here over the last two and a half years. So let me show you another photo. This is a small waterway. It's a small creek in Siem Reap. It's about, this photo is taken about four and a half, five kilometres from the centre of town. Not a long way. You get there on a moto from here into town in about 10 minutes. If you want to do that, if you're in this location where the photo is taken, if you got on your moto, drove into town, you could go in there with a handful of people, a family perhaps, and you could choose to spend more on one meal and many Khmer families would have available for their, to buy their food for an entire month. The water to get to this point in this little channel here travels a long way. It comes from out of Siem Reap. It goes through town. 
it reaches this location, then it, then it travels further down to the, the Tonle Sap, the big, the big lake in the centre of Cambodia. Now, you're seeing this river at a certain time of year. The, the water level is actually quite high. It's, it's rained recently. The rice field off to the left there is uh, well ir- irrigated. There's plenty of growth. Other times of the year, once the rains stop and the, the uh, dry season comes, this will start to dry out pretty quickly. And what you'll discover beneath it is this thick layer of, of black mud. It's not a pleasant river. It doesn't look so bad here. But taken at a different time of year, it would look very different. It would be chock full of rubbish, uh, black mud, full of all sorts of things. We've seen dead animals in there. It's, it stinks when the water becomes stagnant. It's, it's not pleasant. Despite all of that, though, this river provides daily life for many. It's not uncommon to see people coming along, uh, picking out cans and bottles which they can use for recycling. Uh, make money for, from recycling, they'll earn about 50 cents a kilogram, which is a lot of plastic bottles or cans, but that's a way they'll earn some money to buy their daily bread. You'll often see as well people fishing, not usually with 10-foot surf rods, but often people fishing. You see in this one there's more rubbish. Uh, it's, it's flowed through a bit. Uh, water levels are a bit lower there. But this river provides sustenance. I've seen... At the end of the wet season, once it gets down to that ladder of mud, I've seen people in that mud, children up to their chests, uh, finding whatever else they can find in there of any worth. I want to paint a contrast for you. Standing on this location where this photo is taken, if you do a 180, you'll see this. This is our home in Cambodia. It's not small, but it's not large either. Um, but we're very fortunate and very thankful to live here. It's, it's provided for our, our need wonderfully well. Living in a house like this, though, is well and truly beyond the, the means of most Khmer people. And so this, the contrast is really stark. You know, me in that photo, standing in that one spot, our family living in this house, not having a clue what it feels like to not know where your next meal might be coming from to not know what it might feel like to be unable to feed our children, to not know what it might feel like to have the vulnerability of just not knowing. You know, to feed themselves. My people will eat from that river just there. They'll eat the fish, they'll eat the snakes sometimes that they'll find in there, they'll eat the crabs, even the snails, which don't taste too bad. But... um, The contrast is stark. And why am I saying this? Why am I pointing out this contrast? Simply to make the point that in this world, as it currently is, not as it will always be, but as it currently is, daily bread, bread for this day, is a lot harder to come by for some people than for others. So we pray, as Jesus encourages us to pray, we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I painted the contrast that is in that one location in those few photos. You know, while while most people, most Khmer people who live in the Siem Reap province don't actually live in the city or the town of Siem Reap, they live live out in the countryside. A lot of people do come to town, though, either daily or on a weekly or monthly basis to work. And the reason they're able to do that is because Siem Reap is very much a tourist town. 
you might be aware that it's it's located very near the um, ancient uh, 11th, 12th century Angkor Wat temples. Those temples are, are only about 10 or 12 kilometres from our house. It's a tourist town. The tourist industry employs thousands upon thousands of people. There's something like 800 accommodation venues in Siem Reap City. Thousands and thousands of people are employed. They work and they depend on those jobs for their livelihoods and for their families. I'm going to change scenes again now. I'll show you another photo. This here is the outside of Old Market, getting toward the centre of Siem Reap. This is very much a tourist market, although not entirely. Uh, it's a tourist market and a lot of souvenirs, a lot of household items. Um, it's not too busy when this photo was taken. If you were to be there in peak season, uh, pre-COVID, peak season, late afternoon into the evening, there would just literally be hundreds of thousands of, of tourists hanging around in the markets, in the nearby um, restaurants, uh, the local pub street. Thousands upon thousands of people. This is what Old Market looked like uh, about two and a half years ago. You can guess what happened about two and a half years ago, though, when COVID-19 started ripping through the world. You know, almost overnight here in Cambodia, the tourists stopped coming, the flights were cancelled, the airports were closed. Very soon after that, the hotels began shutting their doors, restaurants ceased to trade. Thousands and thousands of Khmer people lost their jobs literally within a few weeks. This is what Old Market looked like before COVID, and this is what Old Market looked like just prior to our return to Australia in the middle of last year. It's another stark contrast. It's the before and it's the during. If I were to show you the, the now picture, which I don't have, you would see something between those two realities. It's coming back to life, but it's not yet there yet. But this is what it looked like in the middle of COVID, June 2021. The place was shuttered. There was might have been a few traders on the inside selling to Khmer people, but it just wasn't worth it. Running the businesses were, um, it was more expensive than what they would sell, so the doors closed. Now, we've been back here for three months, as I've said, and it was only just prior to our return that flights did start to open. Tourist visas were reissued. Airports were functioning at low capacity, but starting to function again. And following that, some businesses and restaurants have begun, begun to reopen too. You can see tourists in town now, still not a lot, but it's starting to happen. But more than two years now, this has gone on. And, of course, the longer it's gone, the harder life has become for many, many people. I'm very aware that that story could be told the world over. COVID has left no one alone and no place untouched. But what it happens in a place like Cambodia and what a country like Cambodia illustrates is that when... What it illustrates is a very unkingdom of God-like reality, which is this. We realise all over again that the world is structured in such a way that when things get tough, those who are already doing it tough feel the first of the impact and they soon go on to feel the worst of the impact because they're already vulnerable. Those who are already familiar with knowing what it feels like to have no idea where your next meal is coming from experience that feeling all over again and some on a daily basis. 
This is not what God had in mind when he created the world in its abundance. It's shalom, it's peace, it's harmony. When we're invited by Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, just before, just after, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're encouraged to pray that prayer, this is one of the things we're praying for, that these experiences would not be made known, would not be felt, would not be experienced by the people of the earth. What that means is that when we pray or when we're encouraged to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't mean just, Lord, please feed me and my family today. It means, please, Lord, I don't want to experience that again. I can't. That feeling of not knowing where my next meal is going to come from, that feeling of not knowing how to provide for my family, my children, don't let that happen again. We're invited to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But what that means, what we're encouraged to actually pray is that please, Lord, give us the bread that we need this day that never runs out. That's a very different reality. Now, the kingdom of God... The kingdom of God is the focus point of Jesus' message. He actually mentions it, as I said in the Lord's Prayer, those words again, your kingdom come to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, Jesus spoke about it so often. It's about possibility. It's about unfulfilled potential. It's about pursuing the ways of God that aren't yet a reality in this world as we know it, but with the certainty of hope of knowing that they one day will be. It's a prayer of transformation. Just as God's will is now, even now, being perfectly done in heaven, we pray that that might also be experienced on earth. Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God is enormous. The human mind is significant. It's creative, it's imaginative, but in comparison to the vision that Jesus presents and offers, it's so little. It's more than we can comprehend, yet it's a reality to which we're invited. When we stop, take the time to look around with eyes of faith, we can see the kingdom all around us. Places where God's will is already being done. You know, the person who takes time and stops to help a neighbour in need. The mother who cares for her child. It's the church advocating for the poor. It's a nation giving, giving foreign aid. It's society functioning and flourishing in ways that please God. We don't have to look far to see God's will being done. Sadly, though, we don't have to look very far either to see places where God's will is not being done. Now, I've described some of that already this morning. Places where God's will is not being done, at least not yet. We know that one day it will be. But for now, as Jesus' followers, this mission month, those are the places that Jesus calls us to go as his followers. We're called to be transformed people who are participating, living out the kingdom of God, seeking to see it 
take root in this world in places and in lives where it is not yet a reality. To do that, yes, it requires Christ-likeness. We are called to become like Jesus. Requires action. We need to do stuff. Got to get our hands dirty. Also requires a message to be spoken. It's the good news of King Jesus who has defeated death and in defeating death has made new life possible for all people and all things and in all circumstances. That is his offer to us and to the world. New life in him. You know, we're called to be the gospel. We're called to do the gospel and we're called to speak the gospel. And really none of those make sense if they're not all being done together. Jesus' vision of the kingdom is enormous. We've explored just a few verses of scripture this morning at this theme of daily bread. We've unpacked it a little bit and we find that even just in these few verses, Jesus is encouraging us to pray that, yes, we and the world would be fed today. That, even that is an unrealised vision because, there, as we know, there are people all around the world who won't eat today, at least not adequately. But we've seen even though that is yet to be fulfilled, to be a reality, Jesus' vision is even bigger. Jesus wants a world where so fully is God's kingdom a reality that not Sorry, I don't know how that played out just now. Uh, I said Cambodia. We lost internet there for a moment. I'm going to carry on and hope that this flows. I was saying Jesus' vision of the kingdom is enormous. And it's bigger than we might even imagine because Jesus is after a world where so fully has God's kingdom come that not one person ever need worry about Jesus sees a world where God's kingdom has come so fully that not one person ever need worry about where their next meal is coming from again. It isn't just about a full stomach today. That's a much bigger picture. That's a big picture of justice. It's a picture of equity. It's a picture of liberation. And that is the kingdom. Jesus' vision of the kingdom is enormous. Big visions, though, are never easily fulfilled. So what would it actually take to see this sort of thing happen? I want to suggest just three things in closing, and these take us back to what I've said just a moment ago about seeking to be and do and speak the gospel. Now, being the gospel, I want to suggest that those that for those of us who already have our daily bread, which doesn't run out, we need to be very careful about what we're listening to and what we're being told. We need to make sure that we're not buying the lie that we hear every single day that tells us that we don't have enough. Not everyone has enough. Not everyone in Cambodia, Australia or any other country you might imagine. Not everyone has enough. But for those of us who do, we need to be careful that we're not buying the lie that tells us that we don't. Endlessly accumulating for ourselves is anathema to the gospel. We're called to be transformed and to live as transformed people. We're called to be the gospel as we live and become like Jesus. Doing, doing the gospel, 
for those of us who already do have our daily bread, once we become truly convinced of that, it becomes so much easier for us to engage in acts of generosity and kindness. And when those things are done well, implemented well, that's when the world starts to change. The stomachs of the hungry are full. Those who are without have. The world becomes a more equitable, sustainable place as God created it to be. No one goes hungry. No one has any true earthly need left unmet. We're called to do the gospel, get our hands dirty, to be a part of the kingdom, becoming reality as God works through us. Thirdly, we're called to speak the gospel. Now, we, we need one, one thing, one thing Rachel and I have learned in our life in Cambodia so far is a lot about humility. We've come to a country like this where there is so much need and then to find out and to discover that actually we're not as equipped as we think we might be to fulfil and to meet those needs. It's a humbling thing. Uh, We've experienced it often. And even that picture of the river near our house when there's such need around us, what does it take to actually see those systems of injustice change? We're called to speak the gospel as well, the humility to realise that nothing happens but for God and the power of the spirit at work in the world. We cannot do it ourselves. But we do, we need to speak the gospel and make clear that the good news of Jesus tells us that there is a God who is working in us and through us to bring change into the world, that his kingdom would come in its wholeness and in its fullness in a world that is in desperate need. We need to speak and present the same captivating vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus does and graciously invite those we know to put their faith in Jesus and to step into life in the kingdom so that people would be transformed by Jesus, that the world would be changed and that we might invite others to a life-changing relationship with Jesus enabled and empowered by God to go about those great things as well. So we're encouraged to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And yes, again, this is a request for food for today. But it's a request for so much more. It's a request for justice, justice, equity and liberation for ourselves, those we know, the entire world. Because when unexpected things happen as they have, it turns out that for some people, at least, for some people at least, bread for today just isn't enough. So we pray, Lord Jesus, give us and give this world this day the bread that doesn't run out. Amen.